you're faced with adversity, do you flounder or fly? I'm Simon Ratcliffe, and on Turning the Tables, I share candid, powerful stories of people who have turned around adversity in their personal or business lives to find new purpose and meaning. In each episode, I will dig deep to uncover the mindsets that turn adversity into advantage. Welcome to episode three of Turning the Tables. Today's guest is Kate Rizzi, a passionate educator working with children and adults to, in her own words, help them move through the learning pit to develop curiosity and inquiry. She describes herself as a book-loving, podcast-listening introvert who still dreams of a career as a writer or stage actor, and by her own admission, a born-again truth-teller at the age of 25, whose Catholic upbringing loomed large in her childhood. Having a father who was gay and growing up Catholic at the same time in the 1960s, it was a challenge. I got to know Kate because we were both on Seth Godin's podcasting fellowship course where this podcast, Turning the Tables, was conceived. So I asked her straight out what she meant by a born-again truth-teller. Well, I, I discovered that telling stories, even though I have a great imagination, they're a management issue. So I couldn't keep them all straight. And I told big whopping ones and also small ones, just anything about myself that was better than who I believed myself, who I was. Tell me more about what do you mean by that, who I was? Well, I'm sort of still that person. So I should say that. And it goes all the way back to my childhood and being really embarrassed and ashamed of my circumstances. For example, I grew up in a very small little townhouse and with three younger brothers and a very Catholic mother and a father was gay and that wasn't really an option at the time. So it was complicated. So tell me about that. Tell me about his gender issue. I feel sorry for him now, but he died. Both my parents died when I was quite young. Right. So then I wasn't able to sort of have an adult relationship with them and maybe try to understand yes. my upbringing in a different way in it, from an adult's perspective because I didn't have it. I only had the child's perspective. What, what age were you when they, when they died? My mother died when I was 18 years old and my father died when I was 25. As he was dying, I began to make, that's the beginning of my truth telling. And he, he actually started it. He was dying of lung cancer and he showed me a piece of paper that was a certificate, I guess a, an official military certificate that said honorable discharge mm -hmm. from the Air Force. And I he handed it to me. He was very sick. And... I, I said, well, you were never in the Air Force because the story about him, the story he told was being in the Army, in the infantry mm -hmm. in World War II. And he said, oh, there are many things that you don't know about me. And then I read the accompanying letter that explained that the Air Force no longer prosecuted, persecuted, prosecuted right. homosexuals. So he was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force. Right. 
for engaging in homosexual acts. And it was the, the report is just like, just like you would imagine, very detailed about yes. what he did, what Private Paul did. And I had at the, at the time I read it, I envisioned the person who was reporting it looking through binoculars from like miles away. And then I realized only recently that he was probably right there. <laughs> Otherwise, how would you know? So how did how did all that affect you at the time? At the time my father showed it to me, I remembered that he had men over. So it was an awareness of, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I know this. Uh. And it was confirmed. And I, was, I began at 25 to have some compassion for him. Yes. I, you know, I had to develop that. I basically hated him for my whole life. The moment I became aware of that he would have men over when I was growing up. And so imagine I'm going to Catholic school with all that. And, and I, and coming, and my mother was kind of, would, I mean, I guess she was dropping acid because I don't know what world she was living in. We'll never know. I'll have what she had. Yes. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was confusing to say the least, right? I can imagine it was for you at, at, at that stage of your life. Yeah, and who do you talk to about this when you're eight or nine or ten and it's 1963, four or five, and your point of reference is Catholicism? Yes, crikey, yeah. <laughs> it just made me angry. I just angry a lot. Yes. So what, what, what was the, the heart of the anger? I, I think I developed a really good nose for bullshit, or I guess a better, a nicer way of saying it is hypocrisy, saying one thing, doing the other, and also trying to control other people. I guess it would be one thing if you just were t dropping acid and hanging out and leaving, living in this alternate universe. And then my experience when I sh went to share it was validated. But anytime I went to share anything, and they were usually in the forms of questions and curiosity, and it wasn't... Maybe they weren't directly related to my father's having men over, but they were definitely, I had questions about God and Jesus and why this thing is a sin and this other thing isn't. And am I really that bad? I mean, am I really that bad of a person? And nobody could answer this. I mean, the answer was yes, you are. But nobody would say it. The real cocktail of... Um dysfunction yes <laughs> but i assume well maybe i'm wrong but was it not so much the issue his of his sexuality but the fact that you know you were sort of well they your parents were living a lie about it um and, and you didn't know and you were kept in the dark and told untruths i like the way you said that i hadn't thought i don't think i've ever thought about it that way if your parents are living a lie. You know, the other thing that I can tell you from my work with, with children and adults that stick with my childhood is, is that children know. They already know. So you really can't keep them in the dark. You can only lie to them. Yes. I, I, I guess as a child, you probably just don't have the maturity or the confidence to challenge it, if you see what I mean, I mean or, or necessarily to understand it. Well, I did. Maybe my problem was that I did try to challenge it. I just, my vote got cancelled. I, I certainly didn't have the maturity. I'm still working on that, developing the maturity. So th this is a pretty tough backdrop for you now, number of years on, obviously. Do you reflect back on it? Do you think that it, it, it has had an impact on following 40-odd years of your life? Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can escape your childhood. I, you know, I, yes, I do think it's had an impact. Absolutely. It's shaped, it's shaped me. In fact, I think it's shaped me in a, in a good way. Tell me more. 
Well, I think, you know, I, I have three adult children of my own, and sometimes I worry that I gave them too good of a childhood. Is there such a thing? Yeah, but you know, I guess the muscle of having things go horribly wrong or certainly not according to plan or the, according to when I look out in the world and see how other people are doing it, that's not the that's not the chemistry that I'm my brain is bathing in. You know, it's not in that sort of peaceful, calm, predictable chemical soup. It's very much there's a lot of things that are unknown. And I can't trust, necessarily trust what I see. So there's that, of course. Do you think you can't or your mind, your brain doesn't allow you? Well, I think I can now because I worked on it, worked on the skill of trusting myself. And I believe that everything is a skill. And that's my working theory of life. Guess that feeds very much into your career, I think, probably. My career, I, again, I never want. I, I never wanted to be a teacher. In fact, I wanted to be anything. I wanted to be so many things other than a teacher. I became a teacher to help support my parent desire to protect my children, and, and I became a teacher. Very, I fell into it. I mostly wanted to be an academic or a writer or an actor. Not any of the. Yeah, I know, not a teacher. I don't identify with that. So that getting into teaching was, was more because that presented itself as a, a stable, reliable career for you, where, where you could therefore be able to provide for your, for your children. But yes, I basically took the money. And in fact, it was so much fun. I said once, oh, you get paid for this? <laughs> yeah, it was because I used all of my prior adulthood. I've only been a teacher for about 20 years. So, I mean, I have like, I'm in my third phase of life. I feel like I have a whole new life now. At this point, I wondered what Kate had done in her life before teaching. What had been her stepping stone into education and how did it influence her? She told me she'd fallen into working as a management consultant, not a profession I had somehow expected. I worked for two people, two wonderful people who worked with businesses. And it turns out that telling the truth, being yourself, truly authentically yourself is good for business. Absolutely. Particularly now. Even then, even like when I was doing it, which was in the 90s, even we worked for like the gov the United States government. I, I was just a, an employee. I did not. I was not a partner. So do you think any of what you did in terms of that job, do you think any of that was particularly shaped by that uh, early period of your life, your teenage life when you discovered about your father? I really am grateful to my mind. You know, it's so persistent and kind of annoying, but somehow I was always intrigued by learning things and discovering things. And if that didn't wasn't available, I would just pretend. But I mean, I would tell lies and then I would also just act it out the way I wanted it to be or read all of those things I could do. And I'm so grateful that I have that capacity. I mean, I think everybody has that capacity. And do you think that's just a capacity which isn't always realized? Yes, yes. And I'm focusing a lot of my attention on the nature of learning. So I work individually with, with students, or I would say learners, from the age, from kindergarten to college and beyond on the learning process. The philosophy is grounded in research about on the brain, on what we know about the brain. So by default, our brains see patterns and pleasure. And we love being right. I mean, another way of co saying cognitive, cognitive dissonance is by saying, well, human beings will do anything 
including like kill themselves and each other to be right. And that can be explained by the fact that confirmation bias can be explained by the fact that that's what we really, it's a pattern, it's familiar. And that's the limbic system for you. And now it looks like there's something beyond that to me and to everyone who is taking a look at the brain. And what's beyond that is a challenge. It's I want to be over there, but I'm over here. Yes. So now there's the possibility I could build a bridge and just walk over, or most likely you're going to go into the learning pit and kind of grapple around. But you've got to want to learn in order to get to the other side. I work with several children right now who have dyslexia. Right. And they also have ADHD. Yes. So my job is to have the student jump into the learning pit a lot and come out a lot and have the experience of Eureka, I found it. Yes. Now, that sounds pretty simple, but it's not. I'm sure it isn't. I imagine that's a, a very skilled piece of work to get that to happen. Yes, and the skill is shutting my mouth, is providing something for the child to manipulate, say, a word, letters, sounds, block, anything, and then becoming very skilled at making my directions short and clear, and then handing it over, all of it, to the child, and then staying quiet and listening. It must be of a piece. I mean, it's all, it's all my experience. So, yeah, it's, it's just, you know what it is? It, it's like this. It's like being someone I totally identify with the little guy, whoever that little guy is. So because I, you know, I was kind of manhandled by nuns and my mother and who's on crack and my father who's having sex with all these men. I mean, you know, I was I was manipulated and controlled or at least they tried to. And when I tried to speak my truth, there was no um, forum for it. And, and it's just too easy for adults to dismiss, you know, a child because, well, they're just children yes. and you are dependent on the adults. So or let's put it this way. I knew that I was really in a conflict. You know, when when you when you when the nun, for example, in whatever grade, fifth grade says, OK, um, it's time to make an inference. We are a monotheistic religion. What do you think? a relig- What do you think the name for a religion that worships many gods? is and it, it just polytheistic just popped out of my mouth uh, but I mean w- that's just a normal thing for a fifth grader now right but then I remember the nun sort of this black veil whooshing around along with her as she turned in horror like in disgust that I would know the word because probably yes. I was reading so it's that and that hap- that's still happening a lot uh, all over so this is the question I ask at the end for everybody. So if the adversity in your life was a gift, what was that gift for you? Oh my gosh, I had a life filled with adversity. It's given me the gift of knowing that whatever thing happens, whatever bad thing happens or hard thing, whatever hard thing happens, I'll live through it. It's the gift of knowing that whatever challenge comes my way, not only will I live through it, but something really great is going to happen as a result. That's jolly inspiring. <laughs> it's true. But you have to have you have to kind of have the experiences to know that. It's very true. I, I'm 100% agree with you actually. And I think the thing we don't always appreciate is that you cuz you can't see on the other side of adversity when you're in it. That's right. That's why it frightens you so much. Oh, it's terrifying. 
So looking back, Kate, over those early stages of your your life, your childhood and your upbringing, what do you think you learned from that that you took through into later life? Could you actually trust people or, or did somehow that experience allow you to recognize how important trust was? The honest answer is I learned from an early age to look beyond the obvious the surface level of life. And I was able to enter adulthood with a distinct advantage of knowing that people were far more complex than they might first appear. Having a father who was gay and growing up Catholic at the same time in the 1960s was a, it was a challenge. But understanding that there are nuances beyond my immediate grasp has allowed me marvelous opportunities that would otherwise have been ignored because they wouldn't they don't appear immediately sexy or cool growing up with a father who is gay and being raised catholic in the 1960s was most definitely challenging but it was also a really good flexing of a muscle that I would come to learn is called something like things are way more nuanced than they appear. And that awareness that was sort of in my development from a very early age has made life so much more interesting and intriguing, fascinating, and it's made me able to stay curious about myself and other people. And I really do appreciate that. I can't imagine living a life that didn't include that as a, an outlook or um, an attitude. Kate, I think listeners will be inspired by how you reflected on your childhood and somehow flipped the experience. It really makes sense of your description of being a born-again truth-teller. It shows your strength of character that you were able to work through those experiences, which must have been incredibly challenging for you at that time. But you've demonstrated a, an amazing positivity and wisdom about the events and how to rationalize them in your mind. So very much an inspiring lesson, I think, for all of us to reflect on. It's been great talking to you. Really good talking to you, Simon. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. So what can we take away from Kate's experience of adversity? Although she explained that she almost fell into being a teacher, I can't help thinking that the passion with which she approaches learning was born in those early years of contradiction, untruths, and as she described, hypocrisy almost as if she's writing the ways of her childhood. You could understand if she never trusted anyone again, but by helping to provide the certainty and trust with those people she teaches, she really has turned around adversity and put others first. Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning the Tables. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and be sure to listen out for the next episode where I again will be exploring with my guests how they turned adversity into advantage. See you next time. Go safely.